It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know what's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's day number four of NFL Free Agency. The Jets making some interesting moves. So in order to talk about them and answer some mailbag questions, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris before we get into the other minor moves that the Jets made today, the big one, Greg Van Roten, the journeyman guard who was a starter the last two years for the Carolina Panthers, missed five games last year. I believe he had a broken toe. From what I can tell, he's a little bit better than Brian Winters in pass protection, probably a little bit worse as a run blocker. Maybe they're about even. Winters probably gets hurt more, but then again, Van Roten hasn't played as many games. He's also a little bit older than Winters. I don't really know that this is an upgrade. The Jets probably see it as one simply because they are looking for guys that can pass block and don't really care that much about what they can do in the running game. So if that's your goal, Van Roten is a slight upgrade over Winters. It's a fine move, I guess, but I don't really think that this changes much in terms of the composition of the line. I think at best you marginally upgraded, and I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad move. I just don't think it's a particularly impactful one. Here I see people talking about signing another starting offensive lineman. Well, this is like that year, that Idzik draft, where they had all those draft picks and Rex was bragging about how they had so many rookies that were in the starting lineup. And it's like, yeah, but just because you're in the starting lineup doesn't mean you're actually good. It's just this roster is so bad that bad players are starting. Um, He may end up being a starting offensive lineman for this New York Jets, but he is not somebody that I would call a starting offensive lineman. Um, So right now, they've they've done a bunch of moves on the offensive line. They're doing a lot. Uh, They're adding pieces, which is good. I'm not knocking it. The depth, especially on the inside – there's a lot of depth. Now they have no depth at uh, tackle, uh, but they have uh, a lot of depth inside, and that's a good thing. But they they still will need to improve over the actual starters there somehow. Um, and this this probably means uh, they they cut and release Brian Winters. Maybe they work him on a you know rework the deal or cut him and then bring him back if he can't find anywhere else. Uh, and then he he could be a backup. But right now, it definitely seems like they're moving forward with Van Rotten as uh, that starting in that starting guard spot. I think that they probably end up releasing Winters. He can probably get a starting spot somewhere, or at least compete for one. 
Not that he's anything special, but again, when you look at the thin market for guards, he would probably be right at the top of the list. For what it's worth, here's what Brandon Thorne had to say. Brandon Thorne's been on the show before. I'm going to try and get him back on to talk about the recent additions to the offensive line and also to talk about some of the prospects that the Jets are going to be looking at in the draft. He says, looks like a below-average offensive line at best right now. McGovern, probably the best guy. He's solid. Everyone else is at best adequate, probably worse at this point. I think Adolga at least has the potential to be good. I think that's fair. That's pretty much a good way of saying it. McGovern is solid. If you want to argue he's slightly above average, you could. But the Jets are at best average and probably worse at every other position on the line right now. So there's still a lot of work to be done. I really can't understand why they're not making some sort of effort to get Jason Peters. Lord knows they could use him. He'd easily step right in and be the best player on this offensive line. Yeah, that that's exactly what uh, would be the case. Um, and maybe they still will. But, you know, this. Uh, it, it, it doesn't seem likely at this point. Uh, I would imagine that this and the draft is essentially what they're going to be rolling with. Maybe they add another backup uh, guy or two, but that would be it. I would I would think, and then obviously training camp cuts, you could get something there depending on who's released. Although, as we talk about every year, not a lot of good offensive linemen get released at that point. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's most likely that you're rolling with the slightly bo- the the below average offensive line that they have right now and whatever they get in the draft. By the way, Chris, three year deal for Greg Van Roten. We'll find out the exact terms at some point soon, I would imagine. Jets also signing former Rams safety Marquis Christian. He's going to be depth, the third safety, I suppose, behind Adams and May. And also another offensive lineman, Josh Andrews, six-year veteran guard, spent his first four years with the Eagles, and then the last two with the Colts. More depth on the offensive line, that's really all that is. And Chris, final note, of course we knew this was going to happen, it was just a matter of time. Daryl Roberts is released, no big surprise there, he was due $6 million. He wasn't worth one-sixth of that, so ta-ta, Daryl Roberts, good luck in your future endeavors. Yeah, this is definitely not a surprise. Uh, definitely saw this coming pretty much just as I saw the Tremaine Johnson one coming. Uh, a little less obvious just because the, the number wasn't quite as big. Uh, but, yeah, that was definitely going to be the case all along. Um, we'll see, you know, uh, what what they end up doing if they add anybody else free agency, like Pierre Dessert, who was just cut from the Colts. But I definitely expect them to have, <laughs> to pick one up in the draft in those middle rounds, third through five rounds. Other news and notes around the league. Nick O'Leary signs a one-year deal with the Raiders. Sure, I guess. Fine, whatever. Nelson Aguilar, who was public enemy number one in Philadelphia at one point. You remember that famous clip of the guy who caught the child during the fire and said he doesn't drop passes like Nelson Aguilar? Well, now Nelson Aguilar can go drop passes for the Raiders. He signs a one-year deal there. Cornerback Artie Burns, former first-round pick for the Steelers, signs a one-year deal with the Bears. 
Emmanuel Sanders signs a two-year, $19 million deal. I know he's a little bit older than Robbie Anderson, but he's considered to be a better player. Different type of player, obviously, a slot receiver. But if he's only getting two years, $19 million, this probably means that Robbie Anderson is going to have to take a short deal. It's probably in his best interest, Chris, as we talked about, to take a one-year deal. I would think it would make the most sense to do it with a team that has a good quarterback and a good chance to win because that way he would have the opportunity to cash out the following year. And also, final note here, Chris, and I'll get your thoughts on all this in a second, but Mike Kliss, the reporter for the Denver Broncos, going back and forth with Adam Schefter, kind of enjoy this little sniping that they've got going on. Mike Kliss reporting that the Bills offered more money than the Broncos for Melvin Gordon, but Melvin Gordon decided he'd prefer to play for the Broncos. Adam Schefter said that wasn't what he heard. Mike Kliss said that he heard it from a reliable source. And then Adam Schefter said that from what he understands, Gordon's agent reached out to the Bills. The Bills never made a formal offer. I'm going to go with Schefter on this one because he's the most reliable guy there is. So if he's saying it, I always have to believe him reflexively. But Chris, thoughts on all of the signings, particularly Emmanuel Sanders and what that could mean for Robbie Anderson. Spicy's Shefty is way better than PR Shefty. That's for sure. <laughs> um, way more entertaining. Um, I'll, I'll start with the um, Nelson Aguilar signing, actually, because you got to think that that probably takes the Raiders out of uh, considering Robbie Anderson. So the other options for him probably are starting to shrink up a little bit. There's still some out there. Obviously, we've talked about the Eagles. Uh, but I do agree with your take on the contract situation, of course, as we've talked about. The Emmanuel Sanders, I think Ma- uh, the Emmanuel Sanders is my favorite uh, signing of the entire offseason so far. And I, I, it's partly just because the Saints have, since they drafted Michael Thomas, they have been struggling to get even like a halfway decent number two receiver there. And Emmanuel Sanders, uh, even at his age at this point, is still a perfect fit for what they need and that Saints offense needs. I I can't imagine much of a better marriage uh, right now than that. So I think that's my favorite uh, one, even though I still uh, will expect the Saints to have a really good regular season and then kind of flame out and the postseason. Uh, but I still, for the match that they make, this that's my favorite uh, signing of the offseason. I'm glad that you brought up that he signed with the Saints because that's the one detail, which is pretty important, by the way, that I forgot to mention. I said he signed a two-year, $19 million deal, but forgot to say who it was with. Like you said, it was the Saints. Chris, let's answer a couple of questions from the mailbag. Jets Joe 73 says... You know what would make a lot of sense to me? Signing Peters, trading back with the Broncos, drafting Josh Jones, picking up an extra pick, using Fant as the swing tackle who can play if Jones isn't ready or if Peters gets hurt. What do you guys think? I agree. I think that makes a ton of sense, but there are a couple of factors here. The first one is if you trade down with the Broncos, there's no guarantee that you get Josh Jones because if those four tackles go in the top 11, and we don't know for sure that they're going to, but they very well may, Josh Jones is somebody that could easily go to Tampa at 14. You have to figure that they promised Tom Brady that they're going to upgrade the tackle spots because that's one of their biggest weaknesses. So you could be trading down and then lose out on Josh Jones. But 
if that scenario were to play out, I think it's fine, especially for saying that the top four tackles are gone in the first 11 picks because Peters would instantly make this offensive line better. And I think that if you have Peters, you don't worry as much about Fant and Adoga. You can draft the rookie. And then, as Joe said, you can use Fant as the swing if somebody gets hurt or Adoga, depending on who plays better. It gives you a lot more depth. Fant is only expensive for one year. So if he ends up being a swing tackle who had upside but didn't really pan out after one year, it's a lot more palatable. If you have Jason Peters, who's a proven player on the offensive line, as opposed to if you're counting on him to start or if it's him and Adoga. So I think in a perfect world, that would make a lot of sense. But again, you can't just assume that trading back to 15, you're definitely going to be able to get Josh Jones because very good possibility that if those four guys go off the board in the top 11, the Bucks are going to take him at 14. Yeah, I'm going to break this down in stages. So I'm going to start with yes to the Jason Peters part of it. Uh, everything else after that, I, I, I can ignore it for this part and just say yes to the Jason Peters stuff. Um, as for the everything else part, I like where your head's at. And if I can be guaranteed that that's how it would play out, then yes, I would do that. But as you mentioned with, I think that there's going to be five offensive linemen taken within the top 14 picks. Maybe four go before the Jets get there. Maybe three go and the Jets take one there. But I think the, the Bucks will be taken uh, – the fifth one uh now it depends also how does joe douglas feel about uh josh jones uh i haven't uh i've, I've done a lot of uh, my film work on the other guys i haven't dug into it on jones yet um i'm gonna have to now because you know i, I starting next week once free agency starts dying down i'll do a little bit more film because it is a very real possibility that those top four will be gone um and then of course this is assuming that you can trade with the Broncos, that the Broncos want to trade. So there's a lot of assuming there, but if you can tell me that that would definitely work out that way, then yeah, sign me up for that right now. Uh, But, you know, if you sign Peters, and I know you're going to disagree with me right off the bat, but if you sign Peters, especially if you don't, if those top four are gone, then instead of reaching for Josh Jones, or if he doesn't like Josh Jones enough, then you give yourself the ability to go and take one of those receivers this year, and then you have Peters for this year, and then you look for the eventual Peters replacement in next year's draft. Sure, but they're not doing that, so you really should just give up on this, Chris, because it's just not going to happen. I will not. I'm telling you right now, they're much more likely to pick Henderson or Chase on at number 11 than a wide receiver, but if you want to have your heart broken on draft day, that's up to you, buddy. If if that no matter what happens, if they don't come away with CD Lamb or Jerry Judy, a piece of me is going to die. <laughs> and I recognize that it's how uh, unlikely it is that that will happen. But a piece of me is going to die because I've had my heart set on them for so long, and I, just part of me is going to die. And that's I know it's unlikely, but I'm going to keep hammering it home so that I can complain and criticize when they don't do it. Well then, Chris, you should change your handle to match one of our favorite listeners. Prepare for disappointment because that's really what you should be doing right now. They are not going to draft Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb at number 11. Randy Sherman wants to know, with the 2021 cap supposedly skyrocketing, will that be the year that we see Jamal Adams get a new deal? I don't think it really has anything to do with that because... 
the new deal will come into play once his current rookie deal is over. It would be an extension on top of what he's already got. And Jamal is already signed through 2021, so I think the new deal would start in 2022. I don't think that the new CBA really will play a factor here. Well, uh, that, see, where it will play a factor is that's if you wait that way, it's going to cost more to get him. And it's going to cost more. The longer you wait, it's going to cost more. If you sign him before training camp this year, it's going to cost you less than if you sign him next offseason. And that's without factoring the CBA and the exploding cap. That's just how it works. The, the more you wait, the closer to the deal getting up and then being able to hit the uh, free agent market, you're going to have to pony up more money. But the, his agent will also be taking into a, a fact that the cap is going to be way up when they're negotiating the deal. Uh, it'll, he'll, he'll do that this year as well, but it'll be a little bit – he'll do that even more so if you wait next year. So <clears throat> if they're going to re-sign him, do it this before training camp or during training camp. Do it before this season starts. It's going to be cheaper. Next question comes in from Jets Joe 73 again. He's on fire with these good questions. He says, if you had to be quarantined with one wrestler and one member of the Jets, who would you pick? Any wrestler, that's an easy one. I'm going with Trinity Fatu all day, all night. Her husband might not be thrilled about it, but that's who I would pick. If we're talking about a male wrestler, though, and you're talking about someone who would entertain me, have to go with Chris Jericho because he's funny, he's entertaining, and he likes the same music I do. So I feel like we could rock out to some heavy metal together. And if I had to pick a jet to be quarantined with, ooh, that's a tough one. Jamal Adams seems like somebody that after a while you would just look at him and tell him to shut up. So I don't think I'd want to be quarantined with him as much as he seems like he'd be fun for a while. Believe it or not, I'm going to go with the newest Jet, Greg Van Roten, and here's why. He grew up a Jets fan, and he grew up in New York. So that means that he has a proper appreciation for good pizza, which means that the two of us, if we had a pizza maker, can probably team up and make good pizza to help us get through the quarantine. So I'm going to pick Greg Van Roten for that reason. And then if it was a wrestler, I'd pick Trinity Fatu if I'm allowed to go that route. But if I have to pick a regular wrestler, it would be Chris Jericho. Chris, I'm going to let you not answer the wrestler part because obviously you wouldn't know who to pick. But I do want to know which player on the Jets you would pick to be quarantined with. Yeah, so I've, I've gone through, you know, I... We'll see if he's on the roster at the at the end of the day. But somebody like Quincy Nunwa, I I get along with really well. I think I would be really have a good uh, quarantine up with him. Uh, Marcus May is another one, a quieter guy, real sharp and funny though. We'd get along good. Um, but it's it's gonna come down to two picks for me here, and one of them is gonna be a, a I think would be a surprise. But I I I'd seriously consider. Um, Le'Veon Bell, I just think it would be a lot of fun. Uh, we have enough common interests. We'd have a lot of fun. He's a really smart, funny guy, too. But my final answer I'm going with, I'm going with Darnold. And I'm going with Darnold because, A, I get to learn a lot about Darnold but, and uh, what he's like outside of, you know, the media, polished, everything. But also, he's just such an overly positive guy that anytime I start stressing – I'm, he's just going to be chilling, and I'm just going to be like, "All right, cool. I'm, let's let's go, Sam. 
let's let's go. Let's just play these video games until they let us out of here. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Next question from Sun Moon Rice says, would be interested to know if you've heard anything about how good Joe Douglas and Adam Gase are with each other and if there's more fiction or truth in them working together well. What do you know in terms of how well they work together? Also, should the Jets have been in on Eric Ebron? I heard they were looking for another tight end. No, I don't think they should have been in on Eric Ebron. They just gave money to Ryan Griffin. They've got Christopher Herndon coming back. If they were going to get a tight end, it would have been a blocking tight end. And I still think that they should get one. But no, they didn't need to go out and get somebody like Eric Ebron. As far as Joe Douglas and Adam Gase, time will tell on that. But what I can say is if you look at the moves on the offensive line, they certainly seem to be geared towards what Gase wants to do. And what I mean by that is, if you notice, every single guy that they've signed has some combination of athleticism and better pass blocking than run blocking. And that really is what Adam Gase wants on his offensive line. So I think what Joe Douglas is doing is he's working to put together pieces that Adam Gase really wants. Now, we may not want Adam Gase to be here, and we may not be big fans of his, but this is a good thing in terms of synergy. You want the coach and the general manager to be on the same page. You don't want it to be a situation where you're bringing in players that the coach doesn't want or won't use properly. See Bell, Le'Veon. You would rather bring in players 
that the coach is comfortable with and that fit what he wants to do. So as much as we may not love the idea of Gase being here, I do think it's a positive sign that Joe Douglas seems to be tailoring his free agent wish list here in the offseason to what Gase wants to do with the offense. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about them specifically looking for a tight end. Um, Now, I'm not rolling out the possibility that they add a blocking tight end, like you said, but uh, they did re-sign Griffin. They have Daniel Brown, too. They re-signed Herndon, and then Wesco. We don't know what – you know, I won't be surprised if Wesco's not on the team at at the end of training camp. But maybe they could pick up a blocking tight end somewhere. Maybe they do that late in the draft or an undrafted free agent. Uh, it's not something that they're like actively searching for, and definitely not uh, an, a, a receiving tight end like Ebron. Uh, you know, Gase isn't about to deploy a whole lot of two receiving tight end sets. So, as far as how they're working together, what similar to what you said, I can tell you that Douglas is working with him right now to build this roster um, in a way that they both agree with. They're they're working together on it. Um, and like you said, that that's what you have to do with the coach, no matter what. Uh, otherwise, if you're not doing that with the coach, then you should just fire him right now. Um, so I wouldn't read into this like, oh, there's no way that, uh, you know, they go uh, that they'd fire Gase and even if they go two and uh, 15. But. Uh, that won't happen this year. So even if they go two and fourteen, they, I wouldn't read that much into it. It's just a GM needs to work with his coach when building the roster, um, and especially nowadays with how they uh, structure these contracts, where they're essentially one, two, a three-year deal at most. They, if if they have to make a change next off season, then they can work around it again. That that won't be a huge problem. But he is definitely working with Gase and listening to Gase, and you can tell, as you said, by the offensive line that uh that they're that they're working together. Chris, I wanted to leave things off with you recommending five shows a piece for people to binge watch because everybody's going to be stuck inside now, and so they're going to be looking for things to do. And there are a lot of great television shows, past and present, that they can be binging and getting caught up on if they're unfamiliar with those particular shows. So I'm going to let you go first. What's your first pick out of your five? Oh, boy. This is this is tough because it's hard to do without, uh, without knowing what people have watched and then uh, also just going with mine. So, but I'll, I will uh, avoid going with the, uh, the classics that I talk about a lot, you know, the wire lost uh, justified the, any Mike Scher show, Brooklyn nine, nine, nine or parks and recreation. I'll avoid those. Cause I talk about them a lot. Um, well, I'll start with a docu-series that was just released on Netflix called tiger King murder mayhem and madness and yes everything you need to know is summed up in the title of that (laughs) go to netflix watch the trailer for it because it'll do a much better job explaining the wild and craziness than i can just watch the trailer and you're going to be hooked my first pick is going to be the british version of the office which was co-created by stephen merchant and the great ricky gervais It's filmed the exact same way that the American Office was in terms of there's no studio audience, no laugh tracks, none of that. It's filmed like a mockumentary, 
And the first season of The American Office, as far as I understand, was very similar. And then it kind of shifted after that. But the good thing about this series is that not only was it Ricky Gervais's breakout role as David Brent, who is the Michael Scott character of the British version of The Office, but it's only two short seasons and a movie. So you can get through that real fast. They did a Christmas special a couple of years after the actual series ended. So that's my first recommendation, especially if you like The American Office, you really should check out the original the british version yeah so the net next thing i'll go for is on netflix it's a show called imposters and uh it's got it's two seasons long it's really fun it's about this girl who's like a current art artist who goes around in relationships with dudes and then scams them drains their money and then this <clears throat> the last dude that she was with tries to hunt her down and find him and then her him and, and his friends helping him they end up turning into like con artists to try to find her and track her down. And it's really fun. It's a, it's a lot of fun, a really enjoyable show. The second season, not quite as good as the first, but still a lot of fun and, and enjoyable. Next pick I'm going to give you is an older one. I think it was 1994. It's a show called Profit. And it stars Adrian Pasdar, who was in the show Heroes. And also, I believe he's married to one of the Dixie Chicks. But the show was way before its time because the main character was straight up evil. He's an absolute sociopath. His name is Jim Prophet, and his entire ethos is to get to the top of the company that he works for. And essentially, the storyline is that when he was a child, he was abused and made to sleep in this box. And the box was made by the company that he eventually works for. So he considers that company his home. And he'll do anything, and I mean literally anything, to get rid of people that are in his way. There are a lot of twists and turns. Unfortunately, because the show was so ahead of its time, I believe it only aired for four or five weeks. And then there were a couple of episodes that never aired. So you can get through this really fast. But it's phenomenal. If it was on now, it would be super popular. But this was before shows like Nip Tuck and The Sopranos, where the bad guy was the central character and people were used to that. This was something that in 1994 had never been done before and it didn't go over well. But like I said, a fantastic show and you can get through it really quickly. So I recommend Profit. All right. So I'm going to go with another uh, docuseries. This one on Netflix too. It's called Evil Geniuses. Our evil genius and this story is so nuts um it starts with this bank robbery where the person strapped with bombs and then they bring in a pizza delivery man uh it's it is just absolutely bonkers full full-on crazy and you will just sit there through four hour-long episodes with your jaw just dropped on the floor like amazed that this is a thing that actually happened in real life next show i'm going to recommend only because i believe it's coming back soon is billions on showtime excellent show it goes inside the world of high power investment and finance and i think that damian lewis does a terrific job in the lead role as bobby axelrod i actually think he's better than he was on the show homeland dan soder is in it and Dan Soder is a terrific stand-up comedian, and he brings some of that to his role. But he's actually a really good combination of funny and serious. 
I think this is one of the better shows that's on TV right now. So if you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, go ahead and catch up. And then the new season is coming soon. I'm also not just saying this because a friend of mine gets work as an extra all the time on the show and feeds me information on what's going to be on the show that season. All I can tell you is from what I heard, it is going to be a really good season. So if you haven't watched it yet, go ahead and catch up. And then the new season starts soon. All right. So I'm going to venture off Netflix for this one. Go take you to Hulu. Uh, a, a sitcom called uh, Happy Happy Endings. Uh, Damon Wayne's Jr.'s in it. Uh, Alicia Cuthbert's in it. Uh, a couple other really funny people are in it as well. And it is it's just a show full of one-liners, just one-liner after one-liner after one-liner. And it's one of those shows that you watch and it's yeah, it's funny. But the more you watch it, the funnier it is because. You're too busy laughing to pick up all the jokes. And then you watch it over and you notice jokes that you missed the first time. It is a really funny show. Like I said, just punchline, joke after joke after joke. Just rapid fire. And it's just, it is hilarious. I'm going to give you another brilliant but canceled show. The Grinder was the name of the show. And it starred Rob Lowe and Fred Savage as well as William Devane. And the premise of the show was that Rob Lowe played a famous lawyer on a television show. He's an actor, his character. His show gets canceled, and he comes back to his hometown where his brother and his father are real-life lawyers and decides that he's going to join them in law firm because since he was a lawyer on TV, he could obviously be a lawyer in real life. And there's so much tension between him and his brother Fred Savage who gets so annoyed at the fact that his brother gets all this attention But nobody's willing to tell him that the idea of him being a lawyer is absolutely absurd because they're all so enthralled by him and the fact that he's this major superstar. Only lasted one season, but a hilarious show. I wish they would have picked it up. You can get through it quickly as well. The Grinder, high recommendation. All right, so for the last one, I uh, I feel like I might be cheating a little bit because I think I feel like everyone at least knows of this show's existence. It's been off the air for a while, but I want to get a, I want to get like a sports tie in here. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and go with Friday Night Lights, Mm. uh, the TV show. Uh, I know a lot of people think it's just like some sappy uh, teen drama uh, and, don't get me wrong. It has its moments like that. And, it, and the second season is kind of a disaster. And a kind of is an understatement. A super huge disaster. And it was during the whole writer's strike that they had at that time. And it just went right off the rails. But the first season, season three, four, and five are exceptional. And, like, it's funny. It, it's got a lot of football stuff that will – satiate your uh, appetite for football and sports a, a little bit at this time and it, re- it it's a uh, emotional show that really gets to you at times uh, but it, it's a very very enjoyable show My last pick is going to be another British show. It's called Coupling. This is a show that NBC tried to make an American version of, and unlike The Office, it straight up failed. It was only on for a couple of weeks and then was gone because they did such a poor job with it. But the British version is absolutely hilarious. The character Jeff, and I don't remember who plays that character, is one of my all-time favorite comedy characters. If you haven't had the opportunity to watch this show, again, British shows are very short seasons. I think this was five seasons, but it was only eight to ten episodes per season. So you can get through this one pretty quickly because it's a 30-minute sitcom, but without commercials, you're really only looking at about 22 minutes. 
It is absolutely hilarious, especially if you like the British blend of comedy, which I do. Coupling is my fifth and final recommendation. Chris, I know you've got plenty going on over at JetsInsider.com, so tell me all about it. Yeah, well, hopefully I'll have something for you one way or the other about Robbie Anderson uh, moving forward. Uh, what what ends up happening, hopefully they get he makes up his mind at some point. Uh, I'll have a, a bunch more uh, different options and routes they could go with the offensive line and then start looking towards the draft. I'm also, I, I got something cooking about the offensive line as a whole and about Frank Pollock's role and what you expect going forward. So I got something cooking on that. I'm not sure exactly when I'll get that up, but that'll be coming soon too. Go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly and at Jets Insider. Read his very big deal work at JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.